0: En hartelike goeiemorgen, daar kom by ons program Skrifteerik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sukkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en pasal om 119, sê, woord is een lamp van my voete en een licht voor my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraakt laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijnen op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy mondlik ek kan worstel nie. Krijg dus jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Our family is just getting
1: bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM.
0: That's where you tune to and a warm-hearted good morning from God's Footstool Kilner Park in Pretoria. Radio Pulpit 657 AM. Warm-hearted good morning. Abosheni, Molweni, Dumelang, Sanbunani, Guyamore, and all other 11 languages that I've probably missed out on uh, this lacquerum, Samadhiyotakankeir. Uh, Rocky Stevenson, good morning, my brother, and all of the best for 2023. When do we stop saying, uh, wishing you all the of the best? Is it okay for the first week, the first two weeks?
1: I think it's okay until about December, <laughs> as long yeah. as it's inside the year. Yes.
0: All right. So I want to say, mm-hmm. and I will good tell morning. you every. Every day, good morning to you and welcome. And just to, uh, well, uh, make this morning a little bit more interesting, we've got some brothers. Rocky is always surrounded by brothers in the Lord. Man, he imports them from all over the continent of Africa, and uh, I'm still to meet them from Europe. But I've got some brothers, and the good news is, he'll introduce them in a second or so, but the good news is they'll be on air with Sibongilim Mufoking right after twelve this morning. She'll have a good chat. Rocky, would you do the honors to just introduce the brothers? They're going to stay. It's going to be a long day at Radio Pulpit, isn't
1: it? Sure. It's uh, such a joy to have Pastor Ackham, right from the northern part of Zambia with us, as well as Brother Nathan. Nathan's working as one of the missionaries up that side in the orphanage and various places. And so such a joy to have these brothers here. And as you mentioned, they'll be interviewed for a full I think 45 or an hour slot after this. So what a joy it is to have you, brothers here. Welcome.
0: Yeah. Akim, good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Akim Malaysia from Zambia.
0: Welcome. It's wonderful to have you in our radio station. Nathan, to you as well. Welcome to Radio Pulpit. Yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Alright, uh, so you've met the brothers and uh, we'll probably do it some live streaming afterwards so you get to meet them uh, face-to-face with Sibongile. Stay tuned! But as for here and for now we're back with a program called Scriptural Scriptilectotenmeter 12 for more. The program where you can ask whatever you like, lifestyle questions, difficult questions, maybe somewhere, somehow, somebody said something and it goes something like this. Doesn't it say somewhere in God's Word? And then they continue and they ask that question. It is so important that we study, meditate, read it, walk it, eat it, sleep it, the Word of God. But in this program, if you're struggling with something somebody said somewhere, somehow, a pastor, a friend, a mother, brother, sister, cousin, uncle, you're welcome to pose that question here in scriptural and I'm going to give you a WhatsApp number that's how you can take part in this program we've prayed for you this morning we asked the Holy Spirit to lead us because ultimately if we give you man's opinion I, I have a good notion you wouldn't be interested in it But if it's God's Word, if it's the Lord speaking to us through His Holy Spirit, then surely we want to know what the Lord has got to say about things that we call life. So here's the number 82 657 082, of course, the Vodacom Network, 657, the frequency on which you tune to listening to right now, the number 2, smack bang in the middle, and then 729, our sister station down in Cape Town. And let's put it all together. Here's that number. It's 082-657-2729. Just a sideline remark kindly put the scriptures in that you're making reference to and send that through to us as well. It just makes life a little bit easier uh, to find it quickly and uh, to start working on your questions. So if you've got a question, as you it, steer it for us and we've got a very interesting question from a listener by the name of Susie, that send in this question, and I'll do a free translation as well. Uh, Massei, hoe verklaar ons Jezus zijn gebede aan zijn Vader, als hij dan zelf God en Vader is? Is het omdat hij nog een niet verheerlijke lichaam was voor zijn kruisgang nie, met antwoord, een andere menselijke lichaam, of hoe verstaan ons dit? Uh, Rookie, what would we answer, Susie, with regards to that question? You know, the,
1: the doctrine of the Trinity is something of a mystery and has kept many wondering much. And there's no real illustration that even comes close to completely understanding it. I've heard many illustrations, but most of them actually are borderline heretical when you come to some of the illustrations to try and help our minds kind of wrap around this and to say that you need to really be born again to even accept this truth by faith. And so that that would be the starting point is to really turn toward the Lord, realizing that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior, that Jesus is the Savior for sinners, and to deny your own way of going and then to turn to the Lord Jesus. And once that has happened, once you are born again, you begin to be let in to something of this divine mystery that there is regarding the Trinity and the doctrine of the Trinity. What is helpful, though, is to look at how others have mentioned the Trinity. We might not agree with everything that is written in every form of a a statement of faith etc. But it's helpful to sometimes go back and think through the way that others have thought through this and then to, to, again, go to the Scriptures in particular. But the Baptist Confession of Faith in 1689 has a good section regarding the doctrine of the Trinity, and I'll read that piece and summarize some of that doctrine of the Trinity that's there, and then look at a, a newer Statement of Faith that helps us think through that, and then we'll look at some more Scripture. Uh, the, the 1689 says this, The Lord our God is but only what ...is but one only living and true God. So that's an important phrase. Whose substance is in and of himself, infinite in being and perfection, whose essence cannot be comprehended by any but himself, a most pure spirit, invisible without body, parts or passions, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, who is immutable immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, Every way infinite, most holy, most wise, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own mutable and most righteous will, for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sin, and the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin and who will by no means clear the guilty. And then it says this, God having all life, glory, goodness, blessedness, in and of himself is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creature which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them, he is the alone fountain of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom, all things. And he hath most sovereign dominion over all creatures, to, to do by them, for them, or unto them, whatsoever himself pleases. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creatures. So as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain, he is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men whatsoever worship, service, or obedience as creatures they owe him. They owe unto the Creator, and whatever he is, further pleased to require of them. In this divine and infinite being, there are three substances. So here is where we get to the Trinity, as you think through God and his immensity. The Father, the Word or Son, and Holy Spirit, of one substance, power, and eternality, each having the whole divine essence, yet the essence undivided. What an important phrase. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, all infinite, without beginning. Therefore, but one God, how important this is, who is not to be divided in nature and being, but distinguishing or distinguished by several peculiar relative properties and personal relations which do, which doctrine of the Trinity is the fountain or rather foundation of all our communion with God, and comfortable dependence on him, so' what an important phrase, so you have three divine persons one essence absolutely undivided yet divine beings and this is something that the christian accepts by faith because of what they see within the scriptures a newer Statement of Faith, the 2017 Statement of Faith, puts it this way. We believe in one God who eternally exists in three co-equal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that through that though each divine person is fully and equally God, they differ in relationship toward each other and their work in the world, that this triune God is perfect and infinite in His being and attributes, an all-holy, all-loving, and all-wise sovereign, that from before creation God determined to save sinners through the sacrifice of His Son, to govern all history according to His sovereign plan, to finally bring all things under one head, even Christ, and that all things exist from Him, through Him, and for Him, and are created to display the glory of His wonderful name. So point being that we don't believe in modalism, where the one God operates at different times in different persons of the Holy Trinity, but that each person of the Trinity is distinct, yet one in essence. And so part of the question was, well, how can Jesus be praying to the Father when he himself is the Father? Because there is this divine communion between God yeah. the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And much of his prayers that are even recorded are not recorded for his benefit, but they're recorded for our benefit, which lets us in to see something of what this wonderful communion between the Godhead and how this happens. So our Lord Jesus walked in constant communion with the Father, doing his Father's deeds and saying his Father's words. That's part of the point. Our Lord Jesus always was in communion with the Father. Unlike Adam and Eve, who actually went their own way, they chose independence when they listened to the voice of the serpent, and they went their own way. Our Lord Jesus never went his own way. He did perfectly what the first Adam failed to do, by walking constantly in his Father's works, even to the point of death, as Philippians 2 says. He was obedient to his Father's will to the point of death on the cross. So the recorded prayers in the Scripture of our Lord and uh, to the Father Are actually really there for our benefit an example of this would be the Lord's high priestly prayer in John 17 yeah John 17 verse 13 he says but now I come to you this is Jesus speaking to the Father and he says and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in them so Jesus shows us that what he actually says even in his high priestly prayer is actually for the benefit of those that come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation we come to him and we start to cry out to the Father as, well, Father. Our Lord Jesus, unlike all of the other rabbis of his day, addressed God the Father as Father. The only one time that he didn't mention God the Father as Father was when he's on the cross and the full wrath of God has been poured out on him because of the sins of the world, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a prayer of Jesus that is different to all of the other prayers within the Scriptures. So there's the supernatural unity which there is between Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and those who believe in Jesus, then join him in such a unity, which we see again in John 17. Uh, in Jesus' high priestly prayer from verse 22 to 23, it says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, and they may be perfected in unity, So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. There's this divine mystery that that occurs even when salvation happens, when an individual is born again. And they enter into this mystery of even Christ in us, showing the Father through the work, even the way that we live. And we know that the Bible says that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love one another and so we're entering into that kind of mystery that we see so back to the question our lord jesus continues in prayer before the father even now in his glorified body that's something to also marvel at romans eight thirty four it says who who is the one who's the one to condemn christ jesus is he who died yes rather who was raised who is at the right hand of the father who also intercedes for us so what is jesus even doing right now He's still having this divine communion with God, and part of his prayer life includes the church, and he intercedes for the church. The prayer life of Jesus, we we, we get to see this insight as believers. We get to see what he's doing as we have these recorded prayers like John 17, as I mentioned earlier, and others. But Jesus continues in prayerful communion with his Father even now. Right. And and even there, he's busy washing the church with the regenerating word of of God. As the church opens the scriptures, as we continue to be washed by the word, we're prepare, prepared as a bride for that great day where Christ will be united with the church from from let's say uh, rather Acts chapter two. Yeah. The whole church age, as he's continuing to intercede for his. His body so the only time that we ever don't see Jesus say father is at the cross and Jesus continues in prayer even to this point of this you know this this moment as he's before the father in heaven and he continues in prayer and he glorifies the father through this so Jesus shows his submission to the father that's another purpose for the prayer time that the, that Jesus had on this earth and he shows his dependency upon the father for who the Father is, the absolute sovereign one who gives. And there's this oneness, yet this submission from the Lord Jesus. The two become even... Uh, we show we shown this uh, in, inside of the book of Ephesians as well, where the church shows some of this unity between the Father and the Son, even through the oneness that there is between yeah. husband and wife, yeah. and that's kind of the closest illustration that a human being comes to to see that type of a oneness, as we see it in Ephesians five thirty one. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become. <laughs> mm. One flesh.
0: Just on a lighter note, uh, as you equated with with marriage and, and husband and wife, I've been married to the same wife for thirty years, and we're at a stage now where she knows even before I open my mouth what I'm going to say. I complete my sentences, and I it's uh, vice versa. Yeah. And, and one can just on that point, as we become one, and have become one over these years. Uh, somewhat of our understanding of what the triad God is all Yes, about, I think that's the it?
1: closest illustration humanly possible. Yeah. So even though a husband and wife are one, they continue to pursue that yes oneness. yes you know, they continue to communicate beautiful that they love one another your yeah. wife might say to you but do you love me and you yeah. say well of course I love you and yeah. this happens I think to men most often yeah well, don't you know that I love you no, but I just like hearing it yeah I like to have that communication and yes. to have that closeness and that oneness can't you just give me a cuddle you know, yeah, uh, yeah. well okay let's have a cuddle yeah you know, and there's that oneness that we see between a husband and wife and the wife's body becomes the husband's body just yeah. as the husband's body becomes the wife's body and so there is that picture, but even mm. that picture is is not in and of itself the fullness no very that much picture so. points towards the yeah. fullness of god 's unity that there is between the Father, the Son, Son and the and holy, holy Spirit. Spirit so so though they are one, they behave they must also behave as though they are one as a husband and wife.
0: Alright, so uh, I think uh, we have, have cr- covered that in from let's see, my Afrikaans, yeah, uh, I guess Afrikaans speak it my English and we really pray that God's Spirit will uh, break it open to your heart this morning as you listen to this program that the uh, Holy Spirit will give you an understanding of exactly what it is that we've spoken. Even though it doesn't matter whether you tswana Afrikaans, English, who you are, I pray that God in His infinite grace will reveal to you uh, no matter the language that we speak here this morning, that you would understand what we talking about. Thank you so much for all the, WhatsApps uh, what's ups that we getting. And, uh, Susie, I hope you're happy with that, uh, that explanation of uh, the question that you posed this morning. Uh, a very, very interesting question. We've never had that question before here at Radio Pulpit. 26 after 11. We're only here till 12 o'clock. You want to send in a question? 82 657 Got a very interesting question about uh, baptism. Uh, Mike will get to you in a mo or so, but uh, there's still a couple of other people in, in line at the moment. Uh, Rocky, are you ready for this one? A second question that we received from Martha, who asked, did Adam and Eve know about Satan before they met him in the garden in Genesis 3? I never thought about it that way in my entire life. Uh, yeah. Does the scripture give us any idea? So, Do we get any answers from the so a from simple the A about?
1: simple answer would be, to just immediately say that there's no explicit place in the scripture that says that Adam and Eve knew about Satan before they met him in the garden however i think that there are some implicit so uh, kind of hidden nuances that that would 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 lead towards an assumption that yes they did know That they did know something of him. So we could go to Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6, and, and maybe it would be good to read that. And I'll read that for us, Genesis 3, 1 to 6. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which Yahweh God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden... We may eat. Notice that the woman is responding to the serpent. Well,
0: all all, all bells should go off ringing and shouting because, yeah, you have a serpent speaking. And I was just wondering, uh, was there any other animals in the Garden of Eden that had that ability to speak? It doesn't
1: seem like it, but we have got the donkey speaking to Balaam a bit later uh, on. Well, a
0: little bit later (laughs) on, you know, having a donkey speaking to you. But this, I mean, all bells should go off there.
1: Yeah, and then it says, from, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it, uh, sorry, you shall not eat from it, and you shall not touch it, lest you die. So this is the woman responding to the serpent, and the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband who was with her and he ate. And that's also an important point. Adam was with Eve all along. He was right there with her. He should have stepped in front of Eve and the serpent and protected his wife and corrected even what she had said, because God said, you shall not eat of it. They were meant to be tending the garden. They probably would have needed to be trimming the tree, but they were not to eat of it. All right. God didn't say, don't touch it. Can
0: I come in here and ask just a a, a, a sideline remark from my own heart here? Uh, Isn't it amazing that when the serpent tempted Eve and Adam, he's presented them with food, and tempting them with food, whatever the... Uh, lots of people say it's an apple. Well, ooh, it's fruit. It's, it's fr- Whatever it might
1: be. I think it was a watermelon tree.
0: Yeah, well, whatever. But yeah. then again, in 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 the New Testament, when Satan tempted Christ, yes. it's the same thing. He tempts him with food. Turn these stones into bread. Yeah. Is there any relation... Well, even,
1: even there, the, the same temptation is, yeah. you see what, what Eve says, when the yeah. woman saw... Well, what it says in verse six, when the woman saw that the tree was food and that it was a delight to the eyes. So there's the lust of the flesh, there's the lust of the eyes, and then there's the pride of life and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took of the fruit. And so that three point category is exactly the same way that we see the three temptations of our Lord Jesus. It's always this idea of the pride of life. The, the the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Yes. And that's the three ways in which Satan even tempted our Lord, or at least the three temptations that are highlighted for us. Because there were more temptations, we've yeah. got to understand that there's a lot more that happens in a story, and a lot more happened to our Lord Jesus. Even John said, He did many more miracles. If there was, there wouldn't even be enough paper. There wouldn't be enough ink to write about all the things that Jesus did. But the Holy Spirit has inspired the word of God and given us the exact information that we need for life and for godliness. And so there was more that even happened with Adam and Eve. And we're just taking what we've written, what's been written, and, and we're digesting it and thinking through it. And one of the reasons that I would say that I believe that they did know something of who Satan was is that the text introduces the serpent as more crafty he was the craftiness of the serpent is introduced to us even in the beginning of the story which makes me to believe that somehow adam and eve knew something about the craftiness of the the evil one and the fact that adam and eve who or adam was with eve and he was right there uh, he, he was able to actually come in in the way and be able to kind of protect her even but when did satan fall we got to ask that question because how would they know about satan and when did Satan fall? And there's different fields of theology. So I'm bringing other questions yes, to bear yes, very much so. um that are helpful with understanding this this thought. And there are different schools of theology. Some schools of theology believe that Satan had fallen some time in eternity past before creation. I believe that that is false because the Bible says in Genesis 1:31, "And God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was." Very. very good. All right. So he always said it is good. It is good. It is good. And then at the end of Genesis one, which is kind of the the whole pan of creation of heaven and earth, God says it is very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So that would that would imply that Satan had not yet fallen. Because he uh, wasn't and was, uh, not kicked good. out of uh, he had not been of, kicked out of heaven out of of right. yet, you know. So they hadn't been that fall of Satan yet. Right. We're not explained explicitly in the creation story of Genesis which gives us the beginnings of man, the fall, the flood, creation, all of that, and also then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph towards the end of Genesis. We're not told there when exactly Satan had fallen, but we can take from other passages and look at this. And um, I believe that Satan fell sometime after those six days or the seventh day of creation it may have been even in that seventh day possibly or further on but i don't think that adam and eve were in the garden of eden very long why because they were perfect and they were told to go procreate and fill the earth and they had not had cain and abel yet before they fell and so it may be within that first few months Um, of Adam and Eve being in the garden, or even few weeks, few days. Ezekiel 28 is where we take our listener as well. Ezekiel 28, verse 12 to 19, where we get some of the figurative language of, of Ezekiel, a prophetic language as well, but there's a lot of truth that is revealed to us even in Ezekiel 28, in particular speaking about Satan, as well, and there it talks about the King of Tyre, but we know that the euphemism is really this is speaking about Satan, and it gives us a picturesque view of what happened with the creation of Satan and the fall of satan so ezekiel twenty eight twelve to nineteen listen to the word of God here, it says, "Son of man, take up a lamentation over the King of Tyre, and say to him, "Thus says Lord Yahweh, you had the seal of perfection. this is speaking to satan of of Satan, you had the seal of perfection, he was made perfect, he did not have sin." But he chose to sin, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. So listen to this. This is verse 13 of Ezekiel 28. Satan, in his perfect state, was in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, and the lupus lazilia, the turquoise, and the emerald. And the gold and the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. There's an implication that it may be that Satan was even created at the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. and was there. And he was absolutely perfect. And then verse 14 says, you were the anointed cherub who covers and I placed you there. And were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. So it seems that there's this transition from the Garden of Eden, where it's possible that he was made at, and then taken to heaven, taken we, to that point where he's the anointed cherub.
0: But seeing that this program is called scriptural, we don't have scripture. This is just a well. well this this well, is an well, assumption.
1: Yeah. This is this is reading from the passage. Yes. He was in so so he was in Eden. It was definitely and there. Then he was yeah. put. in in heaven and then it says this verse 15 you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created until unrighteousness was found in you and so he was blameless and he's now in heaven he was at Eden he's now in heaven and then it says by the abundance of your trade you were internally filled with violence, and you sinned. And so there you see this transition of there was something in him where he desired to have what was God's, and then the sin, and then he actually sinned. Therefore, and this is what God says, Therefore I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lofty because of your beauty. Your corruption, you you corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you by the abundance of your iniquities. And, And so here we see Satan was cast out of heaven. And he was even placed before humanity. And so here's where I would say there's an implication that somehow, I I believe Adam and Eve may have known about this. They also walked with God in the garden. It may be that God had told them. So these are all the maybes. Okay, that's maybes of Rocky's thinking through this. (laughs) But by the abundance of your iniquities, in the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought out fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you and so there's both of this in verse 17 and verse 18 in ezekiel it says that they may see you in the eyes of all that see you which makes me to believe that somehow adam and eve would have seen what god had done to satan and that's why he's introduced as the one that's more crafty and then verse 19 all who know you among the peoples are appalled at you you have become terrified and you will see you and you will cease to be forever. So I believe a passage like this implies that Adam and Eve may know about the fall of Satan, and it would seem that even at the creation in Eden, then he was taken to heaven, then he was cast down to to earth, and yeah we have him introduced as the serpent. As you mentioned, as well, he speaks to Adam and Eve. Yeah. They don't get this big fright. Yeah. They're able to commune back, and there's almost a bit yeah, of an argument whole, yeah, whole, that takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, but God said this. No, 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 but God actually said this. Yeah. Oh, but God doesn't mean this. Obviously, God doesn't mean this. So maybe a helpful way even to think through this question is to then also see what did Adam and Eve actually know? What do we know that Adam and Eve knew? Adam knew the command of God, that he should actually teach this to his wife. And that's Genesis 2, verse 15 to 20. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. So that also tells us that Adam wasn't created in the garden. Adam was created somewhere outside of the garden and put in the garden. You have the serpent possibly created in the garden, then put into heaven, then kicked out of heaven. But you've got Adam, who's created on day six, and then put into the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So Adam knows this as truth. This is what God has explicitly said to him. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. I think it's possible even that, that Adam gave the name serpent to the serpent. Yeah. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And we know that the angelic beings are living creatures. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Adam and Eve would have known the command of God, and for one to come and then tempt them into taking of the fruit and to eating the fruit ought to have been preposterous to them. So even if they didn't know that Satan had fallen, etc., they ought to have shunned us and gone, no, this is not what God has said. Yeah. So what did they know? They knew God's explicit command. And let us then examine the guilt which Adam then bears. And all of the sons of Adam bear this. First Timothy 2 verse 14 says, And Adam was not deceived. That's an interesting point. But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So we have... Adam willfully sinning while Eve actually was tempted and Eve was deceived. So you got Adam and Eve both here. The serpent is tempting. Eve falls for the temptation, takes of the fruit, gives it to her husband, and he willingly sins. Therefore, everyone born under Adam and of the seed of Adam is born with sin. And that's an important point. Why? Because Jesus, our Lord, is born of the seed of Eve. And that's why there's the virgin birth and yeah. why it's so important that Jesus would be born of the virgin, because he was born perfect. That's why Genesis 3.15, which has become known as the pre-evangelion, the promise is given to Eve. And that's why she looks forward every time she has a male child. She looks and she says, yeah, is this the promise? Yeah. You see, we need the promise. We need mm. the Messiah. Mm. We need Christ. And Christ <laughs> is born of the seed of Eve, not of the seed of Adam. And that's a very important point as we think through this. So what was the part part of this leads us to believe and see that there were certain things that Adam and Eve explicitly knew. They might not have known who Satan was, but they did know the commands of God, and that ought to have been enough to keep them from falling into sin. But praise God in his wisdom and in his mercy, he has given us a Saviour because we have all been like Adam and Eve. We have sinned and fallen short of the, the righteousness of God, and we now know about Satan because the Word of God tells us about him. And all he does when he speaks is he lies, and that's his home language. That's what he does all the time. <clears throat> yeah, John what, eight
0: John eight says that John yes. eight forty and what you lies. can
1: what you can believe and bet your life upon is the true Word of God. And that's, that's what we, I guess, need to lead that question towards is study your Bible because you're able to know about who Satan is and you're able to know about who the Savior is of the world. And unless you have the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, you'll still be under the deception of the evil one and be sons of disobedience.
0: Yeah, well, there you have it Martha, thank you for a brilliant question And uh, I trust that God's word Have answered you And yeah, some assumptions Yeah, and there Ultimately it is what is written That sets us free So that we can know the answers to that Frana Banada, Well, Ikasa says We've got to play some music as well I've got Frana Banada on the uh, turntable A song called Awesome God We'll be back with some uh, questions And answers right after the scriptural Until 12 o'clock this afternoon
1: it's more than radio. It's a way of life. It's 657
0: a.m. Yeah, it's a way of life. Good morning to you. 13 minutes to the top of the hour. We don't have much time. And thank you so much for the interesting questions that came in this morning. Uh, Rocky, you can see there. Tom has got quite a lengthy question. He's made some inquiries with regards to the, is it a TV series? I haven't seen it myself. The Chosen. Have you seen yes, it?
1: I haven't seen it. I've seen a little bit of it. Um, but not not impressed with it at all. But Tom, what we'll maybe do, I've copied, pasted, emailed it to myself, and then we'll deal with some of your questions a bit more in depth next week, Lord willing, if the Lord gives us breath and tarries. Um, But what I would say about something like The Chosen and any other fiction that is written about the Bible, you need to be so careful. You need to study the Bible, and it's the Bible that is the truth. And what a lot of these people do, and I think it's a subtle way that Satan would even seek to draw in Christians and tempt them the same way that he did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? And that's been his attack since the Garden of Eden. That's what he continues to do now. And they take a lot of, let's say, license that they really shouldn't with regard to the Word of God. If you found with some of the other religions in our world, and I'll just say, let's say the second biggest religion in our world, and you know what I'm talking about. If somebody had to come along and actually, botch that, yeah. and do a job with that, and bring out a little. You would series. see World War Three. You would see a World War Three with yeah. it. But many a times, too many Christians give way too much space for things like this, even in their homes. Yeah, and they will will have that in their own homes and indulge in that as such. You know, right. so, something similar could be said about the movie that came out about Noah. And, uh, oh, yes, you know, I've seen they have the, this, yeah. um, you know, what did they have that guy from Gladiator or something? Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. now suddenly Noah. And then there's a stowaway on the boat and there's a whole lot of nonsense. Yeah. That's actually, and there's this, this license that's taken. Yeah. And what I would say is just be careful. You want to study your Bible. You want to be spending time in the word of God and you want to believe what the Bible says about these things. Right. You could even take some of the big books that are written and are sold in KUM Bookshop. And you know, for example, stories about Ruth or stories about, and, and some of them are written really well, and lots of research has gone into it. But when you start actually believing what somebody else said about the Bible above what the Bible says about the Bible, that's a problem. And so that would be my caution in regard to something like the Chosen.
0: All right, uh, Tom. So we'll do some more in-depth study about that, and uh, ultimately not uh, to to uh, you know uh, try and uh, uh, take this program apart, but ultimately to bring to you just once again uh, what the word of God says with regards to this, and keeping in mind, um, uh, the question that one should also ask yourself is, uh, you know, the word says by the fruit, you will know. I've asked this many a time, Rocky, have you ever seen an apple tree with a banner on top that says I'm an apple tree? (laughs) It is by the fruit that you are recognized. So be on the lookout for that. Tom, thank you so much. We'll tackle that one next week. What for us here Uh, Let's see if we can do a free translation on that one. How does it work with baptism? Can you be reborn uh, if you haven't been baptized?
1: Yes, indeed, And, and this is one of the reasons that Paul even wrote what he did in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, where we see that by grace you have been saved apart from works. And this is not of your own doing, but the free gift of God. And so salvation comes by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, by the scriptures alone, and for the glory of God alone. This is the truth that we find throughout the scriptures. So, what I would say to that is yes, indeed, you can be born again without being baptized. However, if you know the truth of God's word and you refuse to obey the Lord Jesus, then it might be questionable whether you are indeed born again. Yeah. So that would be the caution that I would give. You are born again by grace alone, but the reason that you're born again by grace alone is that you would do the works of God that you would do the things that God has called you to do, because now you're enabled. You once were sons of darkness, sons of disobedience, but now you're light in Christ. And so now you're enabled to do the works of God, of which we see that the first major step of obedience to your newfound Lord, who is the savior who saved you, the Lord Jesus Christ, is to follow his word. And you know that he now knows you love him by you obeying him. And so he commands us and tells us, be baptized. And that's what we see even in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen to 20. We are to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to fulfill and do what our Lord Jesus did in Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17. We see that our Lord Jesus, even when John the Baptist said, no, no, I can't baptize you. He says, you need to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. Our Lord Jesus was baptized and he gives this command to his followers be baptized it's not a baptism of repentance like what we had of somebody like john the baptist who was preparing the way for our lord but it's a baptism that says this regeneration work has happened in the heart i've been born again by the spirit of god and therefore now i will do the works of the father we, we see other places and you could jot this down if you wish. Romans 10 verse 10 regarding baptism. Acts 8 verse 36 to 39 where we see the Ethiopian eunuch that followed the, the Lord and was obedient to him. We see another picture of this in Romans 6 verse 1 to 7 regarding baptism. So, It's an act of obedience as we follow the Lord, and it's really the first act of obedience. We as a church at Benoni Bible Church have something called closed membership. The way that that works is we won't take somebody into membership unless they're a professing believer by the mouth, but also by the act of obedience, which is following the Lord. But there's some who believe that you must be baptized to be saved. Then we would have to say that somebody like Jesus, our Lord, would be wrong regarding the thief on the cross. Who was with him and he says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. The, the, the act of salvation is a sovereign work of God. But what we see with baptism is it is an act of sanctification. The act of sanctification is saying I'm going to obey my Lord and do what my Lord says. And so that becomes the conviction of the heart. There's a lot of confusion regarding baptism. One of the biggest confusions is to say that you sprinkle a baby, baptizo, yeah. the actual word means immersion. And you immersion means going completely under you don't sprinkle some dirt on somebody and say they've been buried you put them under the ground and you throw the dirt on top and the picture is I have died with Christ therefore I've been submerged under and I'm alive with him and so that's the picture and it's a public testimony of one's faith one says I now follow Jesus and so that's really baptism in short is following the Lord Jesus Christ and this is something that happens after you've been saved not while you are a baby. And people say, oh, Old Testament, they circumcise babies. Well, guess what? Our Lord Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, and yet he was still baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus makes baptism and circumcision different and we should follow our Lord Jesus.
0: Right. I hope uh, that answers you. Embi, thank you so much uh, for that question. Can you believe it? One hour down the tubes. Into all eternity, never to be repeated again. I trust that what we said here this morning would make a difference to your understanding of reading God's Word, meditating God's Word, walk it, eat it, sleep it, dream it. It's all about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's about our eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we worship on this radio station. And unashamedly so, we say Jesus. Is God Rocky? In closing, we've literally got thirty seconds. If yes. somebody wants to be in touch with you, take it a little bit further. Can they email you? How can they be in touch with you?
1: You can get hold of me at Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za. En <laughs> <laughs> ina ekana biki Afrikaners praat en donjies, so it's onskryf vir Weinand en say Weinand, i blief mark dat daar Engelsman Engels weer praat. So dankie ina.
0: Ina, thank you so much, and ons dank die jare work hier. Well, he understands Afrikaans, God is the giver of all languages and God through his spirit is the one that reveals it to our, our hearts in a buyer work for time to love and leave you 12 o'clock it is sibon or for King don't forget the two pastors rocky just in quickly before we go the two pastors from Zambia Zambia that's here pastor akim and
1: Nathan Pastor Nathan
0: and uh, Sibongile will be chatting to them and sharing some interesting stories from their country with you this morning. Don't show Go away. Grab a cup of coffee and come and join us. we here seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And I want to close with these words. It's good to listen to Rocky. It's good to listen to Radio Pulpit. It's good to listen to your pastor, your minister. But Acts 17.11 says, Search the scriptures for yourself to see if these things are so. Till next time, keep well, God bless you, and Shalom.